0: Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Well, hey there, Cove Church. Uh, My name is Brandon. If we've not met, welcome in. It's great to be with you. Uh, This weekend, uh, we celebrate Palm Sunday. And uh, so it's it's great to be with you, whether you're tuning in uh, Sunday morning or, or Saturday night, uh, it's, just, it's just great to have you. I sense the Lord uh, place on my heart, maybe a word for some of you that would be a, a word of encouragement that that may land and find you in kind of hopefully in the exact place where you're at in your life. Let me explain. Um, one of my favorite authors, his name is Oz Guinness, and, and he's quoted as saying this, that contrast is the mother of clarity. And so, um, my sense is that some of you, you're on this journey with Jesus, you're on this journey of discovery, and you're finding that as you contrast Jesus, the claims of Jesus, who he is, um, what God may be doing and up to in your life with what's going on um, elsewhere in your life, maybe away from Jesus, you know, kind of in the world, or maybe having been far from God. And as you look at this contrast, some things about the love of God in your life are becoming more and more clear. Maybe illustrated in kind of the classic Palm Sunday uh, uh, text in scripture, in John's gospel at least, this idea of the triumphal entry, which is generally the text on a Palm Sunday. The Bible says there, I don't know if you've ever noticed it before, maybe you're unfamiliar with your Bible. The Bible says that there were people who were engaged in a religious festival, Passover festival. And when they saw Jesus, they left that religious festival and they came and they followed Jesus. There was a contrast there between kind of the religious lifestyle or something that they had just done over and over and over again in their life contrasted with the love of God um, the beauty of Jesus and so I would I sense the Holy Spirit maybe encouraging some of you that this this contrast that you're experiencing as you kind of kind of do the, the the T graph and total up both sides of the graph this contrast that more and more clarity of the love of God and his plan for your life is going to come into focus so uh, next week is uh, Easter. And uh, I know that some of you are just yearning to hear some Easter statistics. so I thought I would give them to you today. 21.6 billion on Easter related spending will go out in the next week. three billion of that on candy alone. 91 million chocolate Easter bunnies will be sold for Easter. And I know some of you are wondering how people decide to eat those, Uh, chocolate Easter bunnies. I'm glad that you asked. 78% of those who eat them start with the ears first, 11% with the feet, and another 11% with the fuzzy little tail on the backside. And finally, maybe the most important, children, uh, maybe listen up, kids, listen up. 81% of parents confess to stealing candy from their kid's stash. And the other 19% are probably telling a fib on Easter. Next week also is the single largest uh, attendance day for churches around the world, around the globe, and every week, just apart from Easter Cove Church, every week, the Spirit of God moves on the hearts of people to step into church for the very first time. Maybe, maybe they're brave enough to do it on their own, most likely, or many times it's through the invite of a friend, and they, and they muster up the courage. They sense something going on in their life that they're willing to take a risk and step in uh, to a church. And and a lot of that is instigated by the Spirit of God essentially chasing them down. And and I I know the Lord, I know Jesus, to be a shrewd businessman. Uh, He's gonna steward those lives well because he cares about people. He wants to place them in churches with people who care about people. And so we've decided as a church and all of our frailties and all of our faults, none of us are perfect. Uh, in fact, I had, a, I had a wise pastor tell me one time, Brandon, uh, if you ever find the perfect church, don't go there because you'll ruin it. Uh, and he's right, I would, I would ruin it for sure. And so we're, we're, we're imperfect Cove Church, but, but our desire is to steward well the lives that God begins to send our way, our loved ones here, at Coach, Church, and so uh, we, we we have this wonderful opportunity, if you will, to kind of wade in to this this river, this thing that the Spirit of God is is doing, that He's already been doing. He, he's been long at work tilling the soil of the hearts who will be here uh, this this coming week for Easter. The heart of maybe your neighbor, a coworker, family member, loved one. And so our big idea today. I want you to write down, maybe take a, a screenshot of it. We're born fishers of earthly destinies, but we're reborn to fish for eternal destinies. Let me say it again. We're born fishers of earthly destinies, but we're reborn to fish for eternal destinies there's this um, there's this interesting little uh, I'll call it a formula it's not really a formula but there's this rhythm this pattern if you will in scripture I, I would call it find tell and bring that's not original to me I'm sure many pastors have have taught this um, in, in terms of when it comes to evangelism or or um, sharing the gospel or bringing people to faith or introducing people to Jesus however you want to think of that word the idea of evangelism find tell and bring here's what I mean by that in John chapter one, uh, there's this guy named Andrew, and he has a brother named Peter. Maybe you've heard of him. And uh, Andrew finds Jesus. He goes and tells his brother Peter about Jesus, and he brings him to Jesus. He's like, "Hey, I, th- I think I found the Messiah. Why don't you come decide for yourself?" A few verses later, there's a guy named Philip and a guy named Nathaniel. Philip finds Jesus. He goes and gets Nathaniel, and he brings him to Jesus. A few chapters later, John chapter four, the woman at the well. Uh, she meets Jesus. She goes and tells, uh, uh, you know, her 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 village about Jesus and brings them to just like, hey, I think I found the Messiah. Why don't you come decide for yourself? This idea of find, tell and bring. Uh, but that's not the only way, it's, it's a way that this, this idea of evangelism works. There's, there are many ways that people come to Jesus. In fact, we can't turn our nose down at, you, you know, maybe uh, open air crusades or tent revival meetings or, you, you know, street preaching or, you know, any of that. I, I know that there's, you know, kind of the bullhorn in the soapbox. I understand. But let me give you a few examples uh, of why we, we can't dismiss uh, and say that there's only one way of evangelism. Uh, have a a young man that I know and he interned in one with us in one of the churches that we pastored and um, he was far from God. He was in Portland, had a backpack uh, full of what he would say ungodly music and it was basically a pharmacy in his backpack if you know what I mean. And uh, this couple, this husband and wife, were down on the waterfront and they were just sharing the gospel. They were witnessing, if you will. They were street preaching, if you will. And they saw him, this young man, engage with someone else who basically did not have his best intentions in heart. And so one of them kind of interrupted, intercepted that meeting. And the other one kind of sectioned him off, this young man and began to share the love of God with him and for his life. And he was so overcome by the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit was doing. He took his backpack off and threw it in the Willamette River and he's never been the same. Yes, some ups and downs. It's been, it's been a hard journey many ways in his life, but God used that. This church, for instance, was born out of multiple revival meetings, tent revival meetings. Uh, the picture on your screen you're gonna see is from 1973, uh, the largest crusade in South Korea that uh, Billy Graham did. In fact, so wide that you can't even, it spills off the edges of the picture. Do you think that God use this. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say, Cove Church, is there are many ways. How, how about the road to Damascus, Damascus, the Apostle Paul? That, that's, a, that's a very effective form of evangelism. In fact, Jesus, that's pretty easy. Why don't you just do that all the time? And yet he invites us in to the journey. God uses all of these forms of evangelism. And yet I think what I'm suggesting is maybe the most approachable, maybe the most tenable, is this idea of, of one beggar telling another beggar where he got his bread. Um, maybe I would illustrate it this way. If we were to take the time to just pulse everyone, you, you know, uh, uh, tuning in, you know, how many of you came to faith through a Billy Graham crusade? We may have a few folks raise their hand. Uh, you know, how many of you came to faith through a tent revival meeting? We may have a few folks raise their hands or, you know, on on, on the beaches of Southern California during the during the Jesus movement. Or, um, you know, how many of you and then we maybe we would ask the question, how many of you came to faith uh, through a loved one, a family member, mom or dad or a best friend? I think we would have most people statistically raise their raise their hands. Yes, that's that's how I came to faith. And so today I want to share with you one of the most remarkable stories regarding evangelism that you're going to hear in the Bible, the story of Jesus calling for disciples to follow Jesus, essentially follow himself. And as we read this, as we unpack it, go Church, I want you to think about maybe those people that you love, that you've been praying for, um, that, that you've been maybe kind of waiting to invite to church. And, and, and maybe this is the week because you know that they're, this is the week on Easter that they're most open to attending a church or maybe the one that you, you wrote their name down. Uh, you, you heard the announcement for Alpha and your heart is, you've been praying for them. Your heart is to invite them because you want to see them explore the Christian faith. You want to bring them to Jesus. So here we go. Let's unpack it. Luke chapter five, verses one through 11. Uh, we're going to read it through. I'm going to pause midway just to give us a couple of marginal thoughts and then we'll come back to it. So it was as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, uh, that he stood by the lake Gennesaret, and saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. (laughs) Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. When he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Now let's stop right there for a second, Coke Church. Uh, Here's maybe thought number one or consideration number one. It might be this. Stop waiting for the perfect time. Could it be that there's something in Peter's hesitation where he has this, he's fixed on this certain timing about when we fish and when we don't fish. And I, I wonder if maybe we could hear the spirit of God saying, you know, my timing may not be your timing. Number two, maybe some exasperation. Peter's at the end of a long night fishing. Been there, done that. And he's ready to give up. And maybe we could hear the spirit of God saying, especially with regard to evangelism or or praying and contending for those people that we love to come to faith, or maybe something else in your life. Don't give up. I'm convinced that many people quit right before there's breakthrough, the breakthrough that they've longed for. Uh, American author Scott Fitzgerald said this, never confuse a single defeat with a final defeat. Albert Einstein said this, it's not that I'm so smart, it's just that I stay with problems longer. And the wonderful theologian, what would we do without Dr. Seuss said this, don't give up, I believe in you all. A person's a person, no matter how small. And finally, Thomas Edison said this, many of life's failures are people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. But there's probably some redemption here in the story. We keep going. Peter doesn't give up. He says, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to the partners in the other boat to come help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. When, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus's knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish, which they had taken. Verse 10 says this, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. So, Coach let me give you just a, a, a little bit of um, some background, the setting, what's happening in and around this, this story. First of all, let's start with the Lake Gennesaret. This is also called in Scripture the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias. When you, when you see those names, uh, it, it's, it's the same geographical location. It's the same Lake Tiberius for one of the larger townships uh, in and around the Sea of Galilee or the, or, or the Lake, Lake of Gennesaret. And so there there were, um, it's about eight miles wide, about 13 miles long. It sits about 650 feet below sea level. And so as you approach it, as you can kind of see from the picture on your screen, it almost creates this natural amphitheater. If you've ever been around the water, maybe camping on a lake and and there's a boat, maybe a hundred or 200 yards, even out, out in the middle of the lake, but you can hear them talking at a, at a normal tone. The, the, um, the, the, the bounce of their voice, how their voice carries along the water. Jesus, it would seem, used this as a bit of a natural amphitheater to teach the crowds. It's a gorgeous place, fertile soil. And uh, in Jesus's day, in and around Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, there were about nine townships, most of them with no less than 15,000 people. So what's happening in and around this story, in and around this text? Jesus uh, has just gone through the, the desert, the temptation. He's been rejected in his hometown of Nazareth. And so he, ch- he, 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 he travels northeast to the Galilean region. And it's almost like he goes on this, this, this teaching and healing circuit in these townships. And, and one of the places that he actually enters is uh, Simon Peter's home. And he heals his mother-in-law. That's an amazing thing right there. He heals a, a, a mother-in-law. I'm just kidding. I love my mother-in-law. And at one point in chapter four, the Bible says that when night had fallen, the people brought out all the sick and the lame and the and the demon possessed and he healed them all and then when, when daylight came he went to a deserted place but but people were so hungry and so thirsty that they went to Jesus. They found him there, essentially chased him to the, the lake of Gennesaret, the Sea of Galilee and they were crowding in so tight that they, it's, it's like they pushed Jesus into the water. So maybe you can imagine this crowd of people. Jesus now is kind of ankle deep in the water. He sees a couple of boats here tied together on the sea the fishermen are after a long night fishing they're up cleaning their nets and the beer cans and the bottles and the you know sunglasses and mending their nets and Jesus just he doesn't he just climbs right into one of the boats and he says hey oh this is Peter's boat uh, imagine that and he says hey Peter can you just push out I want to use this as a pulpit to teach the crowd Peter isn't fishing Peter I think Cove Church is now the fish, it's, it's, it's like fish on. And so he, again, let me, let me add um, a, a few layers to this. I think there's a subplot just as important as, as maybe the main plot of Jesus teaching a crowd. Peter's up here cleaning, drying, mending, his net, and Jesus has not officially asked him yet to follow him. They've had a few brushes, healed his mother-in-law. He's hearing rumors about, you know, the lame walking and 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 the demon-possessed, uh, you, you know, um, being freed. And so I think Peter's probably got one eye on his nets and one eye and one ear on Jesus. And I think both eyes of Jesus are on Peter. And he begins to teach, and he finishes up, and then Jesus asked Peter, the professional fisherman, to do something well i think probably kind of stupid uh he asked him to cast his net into the deep why would you say that pastor brandon because after um fishing all night to launch out into the deep into broad daylight when a fisherman knows this is not the time that we fish after toiling all night having caught nothing at the time that we normally fish And finally, to cast these nets into the water that I just finished cleaning and mending and pulling God knows what out of, you want me to do it all over again. I'm ready to go home to be with my family and go to sleep. I remember when um, Joy and I planted the church in Vancouver, Rhapsody Church, and uh, I worked multiple jobs at the time. One of them, I was cleaning carpets. And uh, it it was a process to un- um, uh, kind of unfurl all of all of the, the hoses and all of the gear, take somewhere between 10 minutes, sometimes upwards of 20 minutes if you're on a second level apartment, especially a third level apartment. Man, that, that, that took a long time. Uh, you really earned your keep. And the last thing you wanted to hear once you rolled out clean and then rolled everything back up was, hey, you missed a spot. Right, because you got to roll it all back out, and it, so it's another 20, 30, maybe even 40 minutes, let alone the work of cleaning this one little spot that you missed. It's not, Pastor Bruno, what's the point? It's not unlike maybe what Jesus asked Peter to do. Hey, you missed a fish. <laughs> let, 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 let's recast the nets. If I'm Peter, I probably brushed Jesus off, right? Been there, done that. But there's something maybe, Cove Church, that begins to ring, has started to ring with eternity in Peter's heart. His mother in is healed. You know, again, these rumors begin to swell. The teaching that I just heard is like, ah, eh, it's pretty good from this guy. So maybe we'll try it on. So he says, hey, listen, we toiled all night, but if you say so, we'll give it a try. And they let down their nets and they brought up such a large haul of fish that they had to call another boat in. And it began, this catch of fish began to sink, not just one boat, but both boats. Cove Church, what is this story about? What is going on? Why would the God of the universe care to do this? Luke, who is writing, giving us this narrative, is is a physician, he's a doctor, but he's also a brilliant historian. And you you can find stories in the other gospels of Jesus calling the disciples, but none with the detail that Luke gives us here. So what is this about? Let me give you four quick considerations. Number one, could it be about God's heart for lost humanity? Church so convincing, so overwhelming, so definitive and over the top was this miracle that it drove Peter to his knees as a professional fisherman, um, professional fisherman Peter had seen his share of good days on the lake, right? He's he's probably told a few fish stories. He's heard a ton of fish stories. But nothing like today. He was overwhelmed and he knew that this, this guy was something more than just a good teacher from Nazareth. There's only one way this could happen. And that's that the God of the universe is standing in his boat. Do we truly understand Cove Church? God's fire and fury for lost humanity, for lost souls. In case you're unaware, the the, the plan, God's grand mission from Genesis to Revelation is one of redemption. It's one of reconciliation. It's one of going after the lost. Luke 15, the the lost coin, the lost sheep, the running father, the lost son that, that Pastor Aaron talked with us about here a few weeks ago. And it wasn't just a few fish or even a good day on the lake. This was an obscene, ridiculous haul from the sea. And I want to suggest, Cove Church, that maybe we rekindle and see and catch the fire of the Holy Spirit's eyes to see as many people come to faith, genuine faith in the knowledge of the God who loves them as we can. I think this was followed up, obviously it was with Peter on the day of Pentecost, right? 3,000 souls, kind of their spiritual ship beginning to sink with the number of confessions to follow Jesus. I have to believe that Paul's heart and his mind harken back to that day uh, on the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus, all these fish, what are we going to do with all these fish? And Jesus says, listen, you're going to fish for men and women. You're going to fish for eternal destinies. And here we are. All of these people around us, thousands and thousands of people. Settle in your heart, Cove Church, that the heart of Jesus burns red hot for souls. And his vision is tidal waves of people coming to faith. Please don't mistake that as, as I'm saying, hey, we got to do what Billy Graham did. One-on-one, one-on-one, but what would happen if we all did our part? Number two, God's steadfast commitment to use us, you and I, to bring people to salvation. Jesus created this powerful teaching moment in order to permanently etch on the, on the heart and the mind of Peter, James, John, Andrew, that he was calling them to fish for people. So much so, Cove Church. You, you, I think you can, you can agree with me. Anytime they went back out on that lake because they've got to eat, they, had, they have to make a living, that they cast those nets into the water, they remembered that God had called them to something more to fish for people. Remember our big idea. We're born fishers of, of earthly destinies, but we're reborn to fish for eternal destinies. That word, catch, it... Part of the original meaning is to, to capture alive. In fact, that's the title of my message today, Captured Alive. And here we have Peter, the, he, he's fishing for fish that are alive, he's capturing fish that are alive that will soon die. And Jesus turns that on us here and he says, listen, you're gonna fish for men who are dead, men and women who are dead in their trespasses, who will come alive and never die. So how about you, Cove Church? How about you? Is God stirring your heart today with this idea of what he's doing and what he wants to do through you? Maybe the spirit of God is kind of invading your space, perhaps in a a healthy, uncomfortable way. Calling you to something more, something bigger than yourself. And so again, back to our picture on the Lake of Gennesaret maybe with the crowd at Jesus's back and, and, and Peter, a wreck on his knees, worshiping God. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to make you a fisher of human beings like this crowd behind me. And he desires to use you as well, Cove Church. And I wonder what your response has been. Has it been nevertheless at your word? I know, you know you're tired, you're fatigued. But God, if you say so, or has it been, you know what? Been there, done, we've toiled all night. I'm ready to go home. God has hands and feet at the risk of perhaps an overused metaphor. And it's you and I, Cove Church. You and I, we are called to fish for people. And we have this incredible privilege to bring people to Jesus. Number three, a clear message that the mission is bigger than any one person. Could Jesus be saying through this story, through this miracle, I just want to remind you by breaking not just one net, but two, not just sinking one boat, but two, probably you you could have used, obviously these boats are sinking. You probably needed a third, that the mission of Jesus is bigger than any one person. God's vision for souls, Cove Church is bigger than any one winsome personality, any two great preachers or our story, four people or two boats. It, it, it's bigger than any great singer or great musician or, or a Luis Palau or, or a Billy Graham. In fact, if you, read, if you read the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians, he uses this metaphor of the body. He says, listen, we need the entire body. What, it, what is the church body? It's people. It's us. We, one part of the body can never say to another part, we don't need you. The mission of Jesus is not reserved for a select few. We're better together. In fact, co Church, I would say this, one of our values at co Church is all our ministers. And I love that because at the core of it is this message that the gospel, the mission of the gospel, the mission of Jesus is not just reserved for one person. It's not just reserved for the gifted. It's not just reserved for the Bible college graduate or the seminary graduate or or the seasoned individual or the one who's really good at praying. The mission of Jesus is for all of us. So how about you? It does come back to you. Cove Church, how? What do you do with this call? What do you do with this invitation? Who do you have to call alongside you? Who do you have to call for help? Who do you have to call along your journey? Or how about this? When someone calls you for help, hey, come help. I can't do this alone. What is your response? Finally, number four, the enduring tension that we can't, but God can, and he can through us. You've heard me say this multiple times. Coachers, let me ask you a question. Who did the who performed the miracle? Question number 2. Who had to be obedient? Who had to call for help? Who had to respond to the call for help? No doubt Cove Church that God performed the miracle, but look at all the fingerprints of Peter and the boys. They had to be obedient. They had to cast their nets. They desperately did not want to recast into the sea. They had to humble themselves and call for help. And that other boat, the other fishermen, had to do the exact same thing. They had to respond and recognize they're not going to be able to do it on their own. We need one another. There's no way, Cove Church. We can perform the miracle of salvation in someone else, but God can And he's chosen to invite us into that journey. So the rest of the story, I'll, I'll wrap up with this. Uh, Peter actually died a martyr's death. He went to Rome and he was sentenced to death. History tells us most likely he died by crucifixion and on his way to die, he, he um, pleaded with his executioners uh, to, to execute him, to crucify him upside down. So that's odd to me. You're on your way to your death and your concern, what you want to plead about is the manner in which you're going to be crucified. Why is that? Because he remembered that his Lord, Jesus, was crucified right side up. And he said, you know what? I'm not even worthy to be, think about Peter on his knees in that boat in front of Jesus. He said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. And they, history, points to the idea that he was crucified upside down. Pastor Brandon, what's the point? Cove Church, listen. Peter, Peter was crucified for the cause of fishing for people, for, for fishing for eternal destinies. And maybe you could hear the Spirit of God whispering to you today. I know you've been toiling. Maybe you're burnt out. But this is not the end of of the road for you, my timing may not be your timing, and I'm inviting you, I'm calling you into this grand plan, this mission that I have. You are to fish for people. And the Spirit of God, I can hear the Spirit of God encouraging us that I'll be with you, I will help you. Will you be obedient? Cove Church, as we head into Passion Week, We have this wonderful, beautiful opportunity to come alongside what the Spirit of God is already doing in bringing people and drawing people to Himself. Will you be a part? Bless you. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com or on all social media platforms at covechurchpnw. We'll see you next time.